Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Skywatcher What's Up webcast, which takes place every Friday, 10 a.m. Pacific time, right here on the Skywatcher USA YouTube channel. And during these webcasts, we check out everything astronomy, and this week we're checking out eyepieces. So we are glad to have you here this morning with us. And if you have any questions during the webcast, please save them to the last part and we will have a Q&A session where we'll go over anything you've got to ask on today's topic. And if we miss anything or you have any general questions about Skywatcher products, you can always email them to support at skywatcherusa.com and we will be happy to uh, answer those questions for you. So last week we covered telescope basics and this week we're kind of extending that with eyepieces and we are hoping some of this will be good for advanced users as well as beginners picking their own sets of eyepieces and at least how we've gone about it for picking our own eyepieces. So um, we're glad to have you here and let's get started. So all of us are very, very familiar with eyepieces, but of course, what are they? Eyepieces are a huge piece of observing with your telescope and a lot of times I don't think we really think about what exactly those lenses do for us. So ultimately an eyepiece is basically an assembly or collection of lenses that we put in the back of our telescope to observe through. Now why? Well the reason being is that the human eye is an optical device and a telescope cannot focus its image into another optical element without additional optics in there to relay that image. Now, if you're shooting, you know, astrophotography or something of that nature, that's coming onto a flat surface, we can put that flat CCD sensor, CMOS sensor, film, whatever you're using, and it can project an image on there, but it can't do that with the eye. So in order to collect that image and reposition it for the human eye, we have to use a set of lenses. Those are what we now call eyepieces. And it works something like this. You obviously have the telescope objective, whether that be a lens or a mirror, or you know whatever optical design you might be using and that obviously is focusing light to the focus point and then the eyepiece grabs that and continues that to the eye giving us the image that we finally and ultimately see through the telescope now that's basically all an eyepiece does or what it is so for the next section, we'll check out what does an eyepiece do for us because there's a lot of things that an eyepiece has control over when you're viewing through your telescope. And we're gonna go through all the terminology and all the aspects of an eyepiece today. So hopefully at the end, you'll understand all of those. If you already know it, of course, this is just a refresher, um, but we're here for all levels. So what does an eyepiece do? Obviously, before we said it brings the image to the focus for the human eye to actually see it. It composes that final image from the optical system that we're looking through, be that binoculars, 
telescopes, spotting scope, anything, camera lens, it's all the same thing. Um, you need a set of optics to finally relay the image for the eye to register it. Now, eyepieces, one of the big things is that it determines the magnification of a telescope. How much you're able to zoom in on an object is finally determined by the eyepiece that's being used. Now, this can also determine the field of view of the telescope, whether you're in zoom, narrow or wide. And this can, uh, the eyepiece has jurisdiction over both of these elements. If you have any questions or if I'm going too fast, let me know. Questions I'll save till the end. Um, be happy to go over all of that. So, now that we have what an eyepiece does and what it controls, we can get into more of the nitty gritty uh, from there as well. So, there's a lot of specifications when you start looking at eyepieces for your telescope. There's some things that you kind of want to keep an eye on. No pun intended. Um, and these are going to allow you to kind of dictate which lenses are going to be best for you, your observing styles, and your equipment. Not every lens is going to fit everybody's particular personal interests. And that's kind of the cool thing about eyepieces is there's so many variables. You know, someone might like something like this, or someone might want something a little more like this. Or maybe it, you like observing planets or deep sky objects. Uh, there's a there's something for everyone's taste in eyepieces, and the eyepiece manufacturers today keep making better and better optics to really just expand that forefront for us to enjoy. So let's take a look at the major specifications that you'd want to look for in an eyepiece, and once you kind of know the fundamentals. It can kind of help you build your eyepiece set or if you're a beginner because I get a lot of questions from beginners on I got my telescope what else should I get or I have a couple eyepieces what else should I look into and that's kind of where this uh, whole presentation springboards from so let's take a look at some of the specifications that you might want to check out on an eyepiece so there's a handful of them, and I'm gonna to try to break this down into sections, and we'll go over them slowly. The first one is, of course, focal length. And focal length, we all see that on the side of the, on there, that's what the numbers are, and we're gonna go into that. So there's, there's a handful of these. So focal length is one. Apparent field of view, and if you need to abbreviate that, it's AFOV true field of view or tfov eye relief and the barrel size so these are the five major things that i take a look at when i'm looking for an eyepiece for myself or for recommending it for someone because these are going to be kind of the fundamentals that really allow you to hone in on what you're looking for and what might work for you because certain eyepieces might not work on certain telescopes and we'll get into that um, as we break apart these five elements of eyepieces and hopefully it'll make it easier for you to purchase your next eyepiece so 
let's start with the first one of these. And of course, that's focal length. Now, focal length is the general, generally listed in millimeters. So when you see a number on the side of an eyepiece or you see it listed online, you know, like the Teleview brand, you see all of them are listed, you know, Nagler 31 or Panoptic 35 or like Explore Scientific where it's, you know, they're 28 millimeter or they're any of that. Those numbers are generally referring to the focal length of that eyepiece. So when you're looking at that, you're looking for the focal length number. Now they might also list another number on there that has a degree mark. That's the apparent field of view and we'll get into that in the next uh, little bit here. But if you're shopping or looking around for eyepieces or a friend's letting you borrow it, um, the, the number listed on the side is known as focal length of, of that lens itself. Now the focal length affects the magnification and the field of view of the telescope image. So when you look through the eyepiece, that focal length is going to dictate all these elements. The longer the focal length, so the bigger that number is. So let's say you have an eyepiece that's a 30 millimeter. That is a longer focal length eyepiece, whereas opposed to a shorter focal length eyepiece, like, you know, in. So a high power eyepiece, I would probably put in between two millimeters and anything under 10. I like to say those are high power lenses. Those can create lots of magnification. Um, they're made for zooming in on little objects and making things bigger. Um, once you get from 10 millimeter to, let's say the let's say 20 millimeter, that's kind of your middle range uh, focal lengths, um, depending on the telescope. Uh, this all dictates off of the focal length of the telescope. Um, and we'll get that in a minute. I'll show you how to calculate uh, all these things, including magnification. So high power lenses, I'll say somewhere between two millimeter. You generally don't see eyepieces below two millimeter. That's a lot of magnification. Um, to about 10 millimeter, that's our high power. Uh, 10 millimeter to let's say 20 is our mid range. And we'll say 20 to 50 or 55, 56 millimeter, it's about the lowest. There are lower ones depending on what you're looking for, um, would be our lower power. So three brackets, high, middle, low, as far as magnification goes. The smaller the number, shorter the focal length, the more magnification, the bigger the number, the lower magnification. So how do we calculate magnification on our telescope? Well, we need a couple things first and we need to take a look at our telescope that we're using. So the first thing you're gonna wanna find is the focal length of the telescope. It doesn't matter what design, if it's a Cassegrain or a reflector, refractor, whatever. Somewhere on the telescope or wherever you bought it from, and the manufacturer should have it listed somewhere what the focal length of the telescope uh, we're using is. 
The next thing you're going to want to know is, of course, the eyepiece focal length. And, of course, I said that's listed on the side of the eyepiece generally. So if you see it's a 30 millimeter or a 10 millimeter, that's the focal length. So we're going to take the focal length of the telescope, divide that by the focal length of the eyepiece, and when that's done, that gives us the magnification. So pretty simple. So let's just do an experiment here. Now most of today I'm going to be using our popular telescope, the EVOSTAR 120. It's our 120 millimeter aperture, 900 millimeter focal length refractor. This one's really popular. Um, a lot of people use it. So we're going to use this one as kind of our example telescope for the day. So for this one, our telescope focal length is 900 millimeters. And we have a collection of eyepieces that we want to use. We pick three eyepieces because we want to have that middle or low, medium, high power range. And we'll get into picking an eyepiece set here in a second. So the focal lengths of lenses we're going to use on our telescope are a 35 millimeter, 17 millimeter, and 8 millimeter. I just picked these. You can use whatever you want. Um, these are kind of three of my favorite focal lengths, so I just kind of threw them in here for the sake of the presentation. But like I said, you can do any eyepiece you want, and of course your telescope is going to be very different from my telescope. So let's run these through our little equation here, and this is what we get. So we take the, the focal length of the telescope, which is 900 millimeters, divide that by the focal length of the eyepiece, and that gives us our magnification. Now for my uh, techies that are watching, I do understand that I've rounded these numbers. That's okay. Um, you get a bunch of decimal points for some of this stuff. So about 26 power for the 35, nice and low. 53 for our 17, kind of middle of the road, and our high power is 113 power. Um, and like I said, this was gonna change by changing the variables here. Your focal length of your telescope and the focal length of the eyepiece is gonna change. Now, if you have a longer focal length telescope, let's say you're using a, a C8, Celestron C8, really popular telescope. That has a 2000 millimeter focal length. So a 35 millimeter eyepiece on that telescope is gonna produce more magnification because you have a longer focal length. So the longer the telescope focal length, the more magnification that lens is going to produce on that optical system. Shorter it is, less magnification. That's why you see a lot of these really high power lenses. Um, if you've got like a short little refractor, um, let's say you're using one of our little uh, 80 millimeter or 72 millimeter refractor and you want to get, you know, like 100 power to observe the planets, you're going to need a really high power eyepiece to do it because you need to make up for that short focal length on the telescope so the high power eyepieces can help. That's why you see lenses that are like 2.3 millimeter or 5 millimeter. Generally, those can be used on shorter focal length optics. Um, if you have a larger telescope with a long focal length and you really want to dial up the power, let's say the seeing conditions that night are amazing and you really want to get some good views of the planets, 
take that high power eyepiece and chuck it on that telescope um, on my 16 inch telescope I've had it up to 1500 power that was one time when the seeing was phenomenal but don't be afraid to push that magnification even on bigger telescopes the worst that's going to happen is the image doesn't look good so you back it down to where it does look good but it's all personal all personal preference on this so something that you like might not work for someone else so we pick and choose what works for us now this is kind of what now that we've done this we've calculated our magnification for our 35 17 and 8 millimeter eyepieces that's going to give us our our overall field so here's what the moon would look like in that telescope so the 35 is going to give us this huge chunk of sky we can easily squeeze the moon in there the 17 is going to give us our middle power we're going to be able to magnify it a little bit more start getting more details on the craters and all that fun stuff and then when you get up to that eight millimeter you're really starting to get in there um, and we could even go further than that it just depends on what we're working with that night but this is kind of a good set of optics that i like to work with personally um, but you can see how that magnification really makes a difference on how you want to see things and depending on what object lower power can be more helpful than high power sometimes you don't need to blow that view up really big to get a good view um, and we'll talk about this in more but because an object is so far away let's say it's a galaxy that doesn't mean you need a lot of magnification um, and we'll get there in a second talking about how to pick eyepieces for certain applications as well now the next moving down the the five tiers so we already did focal length we're just finishing with the focal length now we're moving into the next uh, element of an eyepiece and that is called apparent field of view and we're going to discuss that here so apparent field of view and I'd, I'd like to uh, give a shout out to Teleview um, for letting us use some of their pictures. Um, Skywatcher sells their own eyepieces, um, but there's uh, so many good manufacturers out there that it'd be dumb not to give them a shout out at that point. Um, and so we've got so many people who observe with these on our telescopes, as well as all the other brands um, as well. So. But thanks to some of the brands for letting us use some of their pictures. Um, so apparent field of view, this is designated by the design of the eyepiece itself. So you'll notice on certain eyepieces that they have another number listed with them. So they'll say the focal length in millimeters. So for example, the, the one shown here, this is a 31 millimeter eyepiece and uh, there will also be either in the description of the eyepiece or etched on the eyepiece description um, another number with a degree marker on there and that is the apparent field of view of that eyepiece and they kind of range all over the place um, and that's kind of what we're checking out so apparent field of view like I said is designated by the design of the eyepiece and that can range from about 30 degrees to 120 degrees uh, apparent field of view are kind of the mass-produced eyepieces that's generally the range 
Uh, you can get some really exotic crazy stuff that will vary obviously but for the most part 30 degrees and even 30 is really small usually around 40 to 120 degree that's usually the margin of apparent field of views that we can see in eyepieces so what does apparent field of view actually mean well that's a good question so let's take a look at that so here we have two 13 millimeter eyepieces. They are the same focal length. So as we discussed before, the focal length dictates the magnification. So if we put these on a telescope, they're both the same focal length, so the magnification is going to be the same. But their field of view is different. Their apparent field of view is different. Now, if you're not familiar with uh, Teleview's eyepieces, um, as well as many other manufacturers, they make a wide variety of focal lengths and they make different collections with various uh, apparent fields of view. Um, so Teleview has organized their collections by naming them. Um, other brands such as uh, Botter, they also do the same thing by naming them by their collection. Explore Scientific actually organizes them by apparent field of view. So you'll see the 52 degree series or the 100 degree Field series that's referencing the apparent field of view so what does that actually look like so because we are getting the same magnification so how does that change things well apparent field of view looks like this so the magnification on our and we're still using our Evo star 120 refractor as an example so it's a 900 millimeter focal length and if we do our magnification uh, it gives us 69 magnification, 69 times. So the image of the moon is going to be the same size, even though they're both 13 millimeter. However, the apparent field of view is very different in that, uh, let me go back here just a second so you get, so the delight here is a 62 degree apparent field of view and the ethos is a hundred degree apparent field of view. So same magnification because it's the same focal length, but the apparent field of view is different. So in the delight, which is a 62 degree apparent field, it looks like this. Pretty nice view. In the ethos, it's a hundred degree apparent field of view. So what we're getting is it looks like we're getting a lot wider area around the moon. Um, and that's just due to the optical design of the lens. So it's just kind of the look that you want. If you want to have that spacewalk effect where you can move your head around, then something with a wider apparent field of view might be something you like. Uh, maybe if you're more into planets or the moon, where maybe you don't need that super wide view, you could go with something smaller like uh, 60 degree or 62 or something similar like that um, this is really a personal preference just kind of what you like personally for me I like that wide field of view so a lot of my eyepieces are 100 degree eyepieces um, but it just depends on what you like viewing and if you like that spacewalk uh, look where you can kind of move your head around and see a bunch of stuff that's apparent field of view and I kind of organize these because um, you're going to see a lot of this um, when you're looking around for eyepieces. 
Now, if you have an eyepiece that's a 50 degree apparent field of view or lower, I'd say that's kind of a narrowish eyepiece by today's standards. If you're looking for something between the 50 and 60 degree apparent field of view, that's uh, probably a wide field eyepiece. 60 to 70, maybe 80, that's something like a super wide. 80 to 92 would be, by today's standards again, would be ultra wide because in the last decade or so, we've had these crazy 100 degree eyepieces uh, start to show up on the market, which give you that really wide field. And uh, a lot of people call those a hyper wide eyepiece. And this is all going off the listed apparent field of view. So we've done focal length, which dictates the magnification and we've done apparent field of view. So now when you're looking for eyepieces and you see that, oh, it's a 60 degree or it's a 100 degree eyepiece, referring to the apparent field of view, we've done focal length. Now we're gonna step up to the third portion of this, and that is known as true field of view. So apparent field of view, I know this is a lot of overlap on stuff, the apparent field of view is what's listed on the eyepiece where it gives you that look, that wider look. The true field of view is the actual field that the, how much of the sky you can actually see. Um, so this is helpful when you're trying to observe some, you know, maybe really large objects like a nebula or a star cluster and you wanna make sure it's gonna fit in the view or maybe you're looking at something small and you need to get a little more in there. Um, knowing the true field of view of what your optical system is gonna produce can be helpful, especially if you're observing certain types of objects. And this is known as true field of view. Now, true field of view needs a couple of the, the puzzle pieces that we've talked about already. The first one, we need to know how to calculate the magnification. So um, we need to know a couple things. On that, you need to know the focal lengths of both your telescope and your eyepiece, and that'll give you the magnification. So once we've done that, we have the first part of how to calculate the true field of view. The second part is we need to locate the apparent field of view of that eyepiece. Now we would divide all this and it's gonna give us the, the true field of view. So let's kind of break this down so it's a little easier to see and we're not just talking terminology all the time because uh, it gets a little tongue tied. So again, our telescope is 900 millimeter focal length our focal length of the eyepiece is 35 millimeters. And the eyepiece that we're just using for this exercise has an apparent field of view of 70. So if we stitch all that together, we take 900, divide that by 35, and that gives us about 26 power. So that's our magnification. Now to calculate the true field of view, we take 70, which is the listed apparent field of view of our eyepiece. So 70, we're gonna divide that by the magnification being used of the, on our telescope with the focal lengths. 
and that gives us roughly 2.69 degree field of view, which is pretty wide. Um, you can easily fit the moon in there, um, as well as several very large objects in the nighttime sky. Um, if you're looking at some of the nebulas in the constellation of Cygnus, like the North American Nebula, NGC 7000, or the Veil Nebula Complex, those those need a really wide field of view, like three degrees. So you want to make sure if you want to view the whole thing that your telescope is and eyepiece combo are going to give you a true field of view of about three degrees. Um, so knowing how to do this can be really helpful. Now, of course, we have apps now that we can plug in all of our fun stuff. So like Stellarium or Sky Safari. Um, you can plug in all of your telescope equipment in there and it'll have field of view markers for you so you can easily frame that up. It does all of this behind the scenes is basically what it's doing. But if you want to do this on your own, uh, this is how you would do it. So obviously we, we already know how to do our magnification at this point because we know the focal lengths and now we know how to calculate the true field of view or how much sky our optical system can chew up. Um, so that's some fun stuff to, to work with. Now, now we've gone through three of the important parts of an eyepiece. We've done the focal length, we've done apparent field of view, and we've done true field of view. Now the next one is also important, which is called eye relief. Now, eye relief, um, this is something that's a more of a personal preference thing. Um, eye relief is the distance the eye can be from the lens in order to achieve the full viewing angle of the eyepiece. And most manufacturers will list this. It generally, once you will see it listed, it won't be apparent like the focal length and the apparent field of view will be because that's kind of the selling points is what's the focal length and what's the apparent field of view. Um, but hidden down in the specs um, of that eyepiece, you're going to see eye relief listed and that's normally going to be in millimeters. So what does that mean? That means how far your eye can be situated from that lens in order for you to take in the whole view. Now, longer eye relief is really, really helpful for those who wear glasses or while they're observing. Or if you want to kind of be a little further back from the lens and get more uh, view. Uh, so a longer eye relief can be helpful. Now, how much are we talking about? Um, because as you get more magnification, the eye relief generally shrinks. So if you wear glasses, and a lot of my friends who uh, view with me or I go and view with them, uh, they wear glasses when they're observing. They generally want something that's gonna be a longer eye relief eyepiece. So if you're shopping for an eyepiece and you observe with glasses, look for 15 millimeters or more of eye relief. Now, uh, long eye relief is generally about 20 millimeters is about the longest you'll see. Um, and but 15 millimeters is about where you want to start. So um, 
it just depends on what you want to do uh for outreach like i do a ton of outreach i like longer eye relief because i don't know who's gonna be viewing with me i want to make sure people are comfortable and a long eye relief eyepiece is really nice because it's got a big lens in the front it's really easy to see where to look so you can just kind of pop your eye down in there and poof you know there you go so it can be helpful even if you don't wear glasses um, as well now if you're interested in lenses like this um, here's kind of a list of some of the eyepieces that have that really nice long eye relief um, I've used a lot of these so they're it's really hard to find a bad eyepiece nowadays there's so many good ones on the market um, but it's all your personal preference um, but all these work really really well um, if you need a long eye relief eyepiece so um, go check those out there's even there's a ton of them that I you know there's so many eyepieces out there I can't list all of them um, I know Botter has another set that just came out um, I'm, I don't remember the name of them um, but the Hyperions, you know, they've been around for a long time and are really popular. Uh, the Celestron XL LX series, I've had the whole set. They work really well. They go from focal lengths 25 to 2.3. Um, so those are really awesome and they're good for the budget if it's tight. Um, Explore Scientific makes a good set. Um, Pentax uh, XWs are beautiful, but they're on the higher end. Um, Skywatcher, we make the Planetary and LET IP series. Um, and then, of course, Teleview, they have their Nagler Type 4s, the Delights, and the Delos. Um, I have a couple Delos and a Delight myself, and the Field of View is really, or no, I'm sorry, not the Field of View, the, the, the eye relief on those is very, very comfortable. Um, so and the nice thing about a lot of these brands is generally as you go up or to shorter focal lengths or higher magnification the lenses get a lot smaller and they can be harder to look through because the eye relief isn't there um, a lot of these companies have high focal length eyepieces with 20 millimeters you know 15 to 20 millimeter eye relief so you can get those really high power eyepieces so if you're viewing planets or the moon um, you can still be really comfortable even though you're zoomed in a lot so uh, check out some of these series if you're looking for something uh, and see what works for you now that's number four so we did focal length apparent field of view true field of view and eye relief the last one is barrel size um, Barrel size is actually referring to the literal eyepiece barrel um, that slips into the telescope. So then there's there's a couple sizes on the market. Uh, and this is going to be dictated on what kind of focuser you have in your telescope. Now, your manufacturer will list this of whoever you're telescope is purchased through you see a lot of this of it has an inch and a quarter focuser or it has a two inch focuser or what have you there's tons of them um, if you have an inch and a quarter focuser you might be a little limited not a little there's a lot of great stuff to pick from but you'll be limited to just that size where the larger focusers can accept the larger as well as the smaller using an adapter 
So some common sizes, just to throw this out. The first one is inch and a quarter. This is the most common eyepiece barrel size anywhere from anybody. Um, if you buy a Skywatcher telescope, you generally get an inch and a quarter eyepiece. Uh, that's what you get. And those are generally inch and a quarter eyepieces. Now, the next size up is the two inch eyepiece. And this again is the larger barrel size. And uh, thanks for Explore Scientific for letting us use the pictures of some of their stuff as well. Um, the two inch barrels uh, allow for longer focal lengths to be used or more exotic designs to be used. So if we want to get that large apparent field of view, so if you like that spacewalk effect and you want like an 82 degree apparent field of view or bigger than that, you can only fit so much glass inside of an inch and a quarter barrel before you get to the limits of what it can physically handle. And that's where going to a two inch eyepiece allows wider ranges of designs to be used. So two inch can open up the door a bit. Uh, now there used to be the 0.965 eyepiece. This was the really common eyepiece uh, several decades ago at this point. And then inch and a quarter came along. Now I'm not really sure why the change was done, but 0.965, um, they're found on older telescopes. Um, I'm sure someone is still making them. Uh, I'm not aware of anybody off the top of my head immediately, um, but there are some manufacturers that could still make 0.965s. Um, but generally nowadays, you can still use these eyepieces, uh, but you're probably gonna need an adapter. And you can get a 0.965 to like an inch and a quarter adapter and use it on your inch and a quarter focuser if you want. It's the same thing for inch and a quarter to two inch. Let's say you have a two inch focuser and you have inch and a quarter eyepieces, you can get a two inch adapter. I've got one right here. Uh, this is an inch and a quarter. Um, this is actually a thread on one for a, a big focuser, um, but that's an inch and a quarter adapter right there. Um, but you can get them all for different things. But if you have 0.965s, you know, they're, they're cool to have, I guess, if you've got them, but if they're being manufactured today, they're they're generally found on really, really inexpensive systems. Um, 0.965 is generally where a lot of uh, the better stuff is produced now, So, and it's generally 95, 98% of what you could buy today uses an inch and a quarter focus or, or bigger. So uh, then we get to the hybrids or the dual barrels. Uh, Teleview does this on their Ethos series. Uh, this just makes it more convenient. Uh, the Botter Hyperions can do this. I think on the 24 millimeter down, they have a dual barrel arrangement. Um, the dual barrels are nice because if you have a smaller focuser, you can still utilize an inch and a quarter capability. Or if you've got a two inch, um, especially on some of these longer, physically longer eyepieces, like the Ethos are really long. They're, you know, three or four inches long on some of them. Having that two inch barrel gives you more to grip on and it's a little bit more secure. Um, there's probably more reasons um, 
I don't manufacture dual barrel eyepieces, so I, I just don't know. But um, the dual barrels can be helpful. Um, so even if you want to experience some of these uh, crazy designs that give you that real wide field of view, you can still squeeze it onto an inch and a quarter. Um, but just check out your telescope that you're using. Um, if you have inch and a quarter uh, focusers, they're, you can get inch and a quarter to two inch jumping up adapters. It's not worth getting because you're actually cutting off uh, the eyepiece and it's gonna vignette and get shadows on the edge. So it's, it's not worth doing. Um, so if you have an inch and a quarter eye, uh, focuser, you have to stick with inch and a quarter. And there's a lot of really good quality eyepieces that are inch and a quarter. So just because you only have inch and a quarter, don't think you're stuck with cheap things because there's a lot of very, very high-end lenses that are inch and a quarter. Um, if you have a two-inch focuser, which is becoming more common nowadays on a lot, even intro telescopes, there's a lot of them that have two-inch focusers. Uh, you can use all the two-inch eyepieces and with an adapter, which is generally included with most telescopes, uh, you can step down to inch and a quarters as well. So you have all the two-inch realm and all the inch and a quarters to utilize as well. So um, just check out what you've got and that'll help you know what physically you can use in your telescope. So those are the five major things. We did focal length. We did apparent field of view, true field of view, uh, eye relief, and barrel size. So those are kind of the five fundamentals of that. Now let's talk about eyepiece designs. Now let me just state ahead of time: there's a there are hundreds of eyepiece designs. So we're not I can't even cover all of them in this, and nor do I am I even the authority to do so um, on that. But let me go over some basic designs of like general eyepieces you would get with your telescope and we'll go from there on that. So a really common one that you see, um, if you buy a telescope, like I said earlier, you generally get at least one eyepiece, sometimes two, and uh, generally like a 20, 25 millimeter and a 10. Um, those are the focal lengths you generally get. And these are generally basic eyepieces and not that they're bad they just don't have that crazy uh, apparent field of view that some of the bigger more exotic designs have so one of the most common ones that you get with a telescope is a kellner a kellner is a three element design it has a doublet on the on the top where your eye would look through there's a doublet lens followed by a singlet lens at the bottom uh, these are generally good for low power and they're generally more well corrected if your telescope has a longer focal length. Um, for the Skywatcher line, like if you get any of our classic Dobbs, like our classic uh, 150, 200, 250s, um, you get what's called a super eyepiece. Uh, this is a reverse Kellner design. So the singlet is on top and the doublet is towards the bottom. It kind of improves the correction a bit um, with that design. Uh, the apparent field of view on these is nothing fancy. Um, it's 40 degrees, so it's it's fairly comfortable, and the eye relief isn't too bad. But these are just basic to get, when you get your telescope, you can get out and you can start using it. Now, the next design is an orthoscopic. 
And there's a couple different designs of orthoscopic. This is known as an Abbey Ortho. Uh, it's a four element design, has a singlet on the top and a triplet uh, com set of lenses towards the bottom. Uh, you don't see orthos too much nowadays. And the ones you do see are very, very good. Um, if you're into planets or really high power viewing, um, an ortho, if you look at a lot of the very hardcore planetary observers, an ortho is an amazing eyepiece to use. Um, there's very little glass in there, so there's not a lot of light scatter that can occur. Um, some of these higher-end orthoscopic eyepieces are spend a lot of time being polished, so that's very, very sharp on axis, and it gets you every ounce of light throughput um, for your view. Uh, downsides of an ortho is the apparent field of view is very, very tight, um, as well as the eye relief is very, very short. So it's not super friendly if you wear glasses. Um, and these are generally fairly high power lenses. So, but if you're if you're really in like really into the moon or planets, and you want to pull every bit of detail out, um, if you can find yourself a high end orthoscopic eyepiece, um, they can be very very nice. Um, these are for the discriminating observer who's looking for everything to get out of their telescope. Uh, these are generally inch and a quarter. There's not a lot of glass with them and uh but they can be fairly expensive for what they are so something to check out now the most common eyepiece that we generally see is the plossel um if you buy let's say you have one of our flex tube dobs like the collapsible ones we provide plossels 25 and 10 millimeter plossels uh the plossel design is a four well i got the elements mixed up on this one so i'm sorry about that uh the advantage of this uh, design is that you can get a wider field of view. The edges are pretty well corrected on these, um, or our plossels can come in a wide range of designs. Um, sorry, not designs, um, sizes. So you can get them from like 55 all the way down to like four, three or four millimeters. So the plossel design just allows for a wide variety of things to be used. So, um, but forgive me on the the design there. It shouldn't look like that. Uh, a plossel design is actually a, it's not quite three elements. Let me double check here just so we can be sure. I believe it's a four element. Yes, so a plossel is actually a four element. So you have two doublets. So this top lens up here is actually two lenses and then the bottom is two lenses. So. Apologies for the mix-up on that design. So four elements. Uh, you get a wider field of view, which is kind of cool. Um, very popular for beginners. They're lightweight because they're not anything crazy and wide field. Um, and they can be a good cost-effective uh, way to go. Now, these are just the three basic designs. Um, after this, we start getting into some of those super-wide, ultra-wide, hyper-wide eyepieces. And you the designs just are through the roof with how many glass elements are in there and a lot of the designers keep that proprietary so i don't have all the the look to it to show all right let me sp speed this up a little bit so we have time for questions 
uh, zoom eyepieces. Uh, the designs on these vary quite a bit. They're multiple elements. They generally tend to be 40 to 50 degree. Um, some of them can be a little bit wider. Uh, zoom eyepieces are really more for convenience. Uh, there are some very, very nice ones out there, but there is moving optics. So when you zoom or rotate the collar to, to adjust the focal length, uh, the optics are moving and this can sometimes affect the sharpness of the image. Um, but they can still be very nice um, and they can be convenient. Um, so if you kind of want one lens that lets you click through, uh, most lenses are like a 24 millimeter focal length to like an eight. Um, and various designs and focal lengths that you can find as well. Um, so a zoom is just a convenient eyepiece to have. Um, so it just depends. It's really popular for outreach or maybe you like viewing the sun with solar filters, of course. A zoom lens can be really convenient just to keep in the box with that. Um, some other designs, um, like I said, there's dozens of designs, hundreds of designs. There's too many to go over actually. And this, the features on these are gonna vary and the designs really vary for a wider apparent field of view and more eye relief. Those are really the, the two major functions that eyepiece designers seem to be aiming for. You know, everybody wants to go bigger. They wanna see more, but they want that really comfortable eye relief on there as well. So that's, that's where a lot of this new stuff is coming from. So let's wrap this up so we can do some questions really quick. Uh, this is the big fundamental part is choosing your set. Like what eyepieces should I get? So there's some questions you have to ask yourself if you're gonna get yourself, if you're gonna start getting some eyepieces and expanding your set. Let's say you've already got the two eyepieces you've came with your telescope, but you wanna get some more. Um, here's what I usually ask anybody who's getting started or looking for an eyepiece is what do you like to view do you like deep sky like galaxies and nebulas do you like the moon do you like planets are you a double star person um what do you like uh, do you do the sun um all these are aspects to remember when choosing an eyepiece because certain ones are going to be better uh what lenses do you already have um we don't want to duplicate anything in your set um so this is something to check out uh do you observe with glasses that's a big uh thing for you if if you are one that observes with glasses this is something to keep a uh question uh for so like i said earlier if you're starting out there's generally three lenses that you're going to want you're going to want low medium and high power and most telescopes that you get come with a 25 and a 10. So you kind of got your medium and somewhat high uh, power. So if you have a 25 and a 10, maybe consider adding a lower power, like a 32, maybe a 40 if your telescope can handle it, or zooming up a little bit, uh, like an eight millimeter. So something to think about. So if you're starting from scratch, and you need a new set of eyepieces and you have nothing, um, 32, 10, 32, 20, and 10. Um, I like to double my magnification or you can do a 32, 15, seven if you actually wanna double it. Um, but if you're choosing eyepieces, I like to double the magnification personally. That way you, every time you switch it out, you know you're doubling. 
the the view and you can always fill in the gaps in between there if if you feel the need to uh, if you are a beginner and you don't know anything about focal length or eyepieces but you want to try them out you can get yourself one of these eyepiece kits there's various manufacturers make them and they usually come with a lot of other accessories like filters and flashlights and diagonals and all kinds of stuff uh, these are good to actually learn on you can try low power different focal lengths you can understand start to understand how these all work and then you can find out what you like and then from there you can upgrade the focal lengths that you like to something higher end. So that's what I normally recommend for beginners. Uh, get yourself an eyepiece kit, learn how focal lengths work, um, find which ones you really like. So if you're like, oh, I really like the 10 millimeter, 17, the 32, and an eight. Maybe consider upgrading just those focal lengths in the future um, to something different. So, uh, I'll go through these couple slides real quick and then we'll do some questions here. Uh, so deep sky eyepieces. If you're looking to do deep sky, consider eyepieces with a wider apparent field of view to give you that spacewalk effect. Uh, low power lenses, like something between 20 and 30 can be really helpful to get that contrast or even 17. Uh, the mid teens is really helpful for some deep sky um, and longer eye relief can be helpful as well. Um, depending on the, what you're looking for. So anything will work with deep sky, but yeah, generally the mid-teens, the lower power is a good way to go. Uh, if you're doing lunar and planetary, uh, higher power lenses might be uh, something to check out. Uh, for planets, I'd recommend aiming for at least 100 power um, to make sure you get the image blown up big enough to be exciting. Uh, longer eye relief can make that more comfortable as well. So look for a higher power lens set that's maybe got some uh, longer eye relief. And for the discriminating observer, um, those simpler designs like a really, really high quality Plossel or an Ortho might be helpful to pull that last 5% out um, if you're really looking for all of it. But keep in mind, um, it does come as an expense with very little apparent field of view or eye relief. If you're into observing the sun with safe filters, I might add, uh, simpler the better. Um, I really like plossels. They're real corrected. They've, they've got a nice um, apparent field of view. Um, but if you're using like a hydrogen alpha filter, let's say like a, a Lunt or a Daystar or Coronado, um, those hydrogen alpha, you want simple. Um, don't you want to avoid the wide field stuff because it can scatter the light uh, more. So a really nice basic eyepiece is something to, to utilize. So ultimately, spend time with your telescope. Get to know it, what you like to do with it. Understand the advantages and disadvantages of it. And once you've got this, you can help build your set to kind of cater to your observing style and what you like to do. And investing in good lenses is if you're gonna stay in this for a while, investing in a good set of glass is helpful because as telescopes come and go, those lenses are gonna stay. If you buy a nice set of lenses, you can probably use it on a bunch of other telescopes. So um, get started, understand focal lengths and all the magnifications, 
figure out what you like and then maybe invest in a nice uh, collection of eyepieces. You don't have to buy them all at once, just kind of fill them in over time. But once you have a really nice set, you can switch them out, telescopes all you want. So that's pretty much it for uh, today's presentation. I thank you all for checking it out. Um, if you have questions, I'd be happy to answer what I can on these. So uh, please let me know what you've got. Uh, question number one, is there a variable projection eyepiece that will accept the 100 degree or wider lenses? Not that I know of. Most of those projection systems use small inch and a quarter um, connections and the eyepiece has to fit on there. Uh, someone might have come up with something, but to my knowledge, uh, there is no variable projection that'll work on the 100s. Uh, you could always check with the eyepiece manufacturer though, they might have an answer for you. So I'd give them a call. Uh, question number two. I noticed that small focal length, like eight millimeter eyepieces are mostly inch and a quarter as the larger focal lengths like the 31 are two inch. I assume there is a reason for this. Uh, yes, so those larger eyepieces um, generally need the larger two inch barrel design uh, to fit the glass that's needed to make that focal length. And if you have something that has a wide apparent field of view, um, you can't stick a lot of that in a low focal length format in an inch and a quarter barrel. So 24 millimeter with a 68 degree apparent field is the largest apparent field of view and the lowest power, lowest focal length you can put in an inch and a quarter barrel. After that, it has to go to two inch because the lenses needed to make that possible will not fit in an inch and a quarter. High power lenses, they use small little pieces of glass. So as we get down towards the barrel of the eyepiece, those lenses get pretty small and they'll actually fit an inch and a quarter. So that's why you see a lot of high power lenses are inch and a quarter because they don't need all that extra mass and metal because the lenses are small. Um, the lower focal lengths, the lenses get bigger, so they need more space. So that's generally why you've got those two different sizes. Uh, next question, do they make an interchangeable eye relief pieces for lenses? No, um, so eye relief is dictated off of the optical design and is once it's set, it's set. Um, if you change that, um, you're changing the design. Now zoom eye pieces can have variable focal or eye reliefs depending on the focal length because they are moving the optical design. So a lot of zoom eyepieces, if you look in the specs, the eye relief can change. Um, where if you have like a regular eyepiece that doesn't move or a prime, as you would know it in photography, a focal length that is situated, um, none of that's moving. So uh, it's all staying in the same spot. Uh, next question. Please discuss the LET EPs um, from Skywatcher. Modified Kellners, yes. Um, is that what you meant by single doublet swap position? Is that what the LETs are? I have to take a look at the LETs again. It's uh, It's been a while since I've been in an LET IP, so I don't remember the design offhand. Um, if you really want to know, you can always email us at support at skywatcherusa.com. Uh, 
and I'll be happy to look into that. I, I just don't remember at the moment uh, the element design for that. But uh, like I said before, if you want to give us an email, you really want to know, I can I can look into that for you. But I don't remember off the top of my head uh, the LET. They're fairly simplistic. So I wouldn't be surprised if they were some kind of modified Elner Plossel-ish design, but I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, last question here, unless anybody has other questions, is correct use of a Barlow lens. Um, so we didn't discuss Barlows today, um, but uh, for those who are new or may not know, a Barlow lens is a lens that generally slides into the telescope and then you put your eyepiece in it and it has a magnifying lens in there that will to some extent magnify the image and that's stated on the lens so you'll see barlows that are like 2x or 2.5 or 3 and they go up from there um barlows will double the the focal length of the eyepiece so if you have a 30 millimeter focal length eyepiece and you pop it in a 2x barlow it's now a 15 um, so it allows you to magnify and gives you a lot of uh, uh, creativity to do with a basic set of eyepieces. So if you're a beginner and you've got a 25 and a 10 and you want to get more range, you could get yourself a Barlow and now you've got a 25, 12.5, a 10, and a 5 because you're expanding that. So Barlows can be fun. Um, I find the images are best if you get the focal length of the the actual lens that creates the magnification that you want. It gives it the sharpest image, but you'd have to have them side by side to really see the difference there. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that's all I've got for you guys today. If you have any more questions, uh, you can always email them to support at skywatcherusa.com. Um, if you have questions or things that you want to see moving forward for the What's Up webcast, uh, just write to that email, support at skywatcherusa.com. Title it What's Up in the subject line, and we will be happy to answer those questions for you moving forward. Now, that's wrapping it up for today. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, next week, we're going to start talking about filters, and we're talking... Uh, all kinds of filters over the next two weeks. Um, next week we're doing visual filters. So what we can use uh, for our eyepieces. And then the week after that we have imaging filters. So we take a step back to astrophotography. And to wrap up the month, we have our buddy Richard Wright from Software Biz to talk about picking your CCD or imaging camera. And we look forward to seeing you all there. Uh, thanks all for watching. We're going to wrap that up for the day. If you have any other questions, email us at support at skywatcherusa.com. And thank you very much for watching and have a great and safe weekend. Clear skies.